I don't know. I was kind of lost after that again too. I'm like, now what do I do? Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah. And then I would, I just like kind of was desperate. I was like, I need any job. And I, on the 19th episode of 18AvenuePodcast.com, my guest this week is award-winning artist who is breathing new life in the city with her painting. She uses conspicuous, vibrant colors to evoke life in her art. Before the awards, before she was said the artiste, she was Sadani Warren. In high school, she wanted to be a psychologist, but soon discovered she didn't like math. Raised by a single mom in Calgary, Alberta, Sadani and her mom came to Canada when she was just three years of age from Jamaica. After high school, while her friends took off to colleges around the country, she held on to a retail job as a store manager. Dissatisfied with her retail work, Sadani did a two-year architecture program but could not find work and was back to square one. It wasn't until she met her husband of now four years when he told her, you are an artist, go and be an artist. That simple but crucial advice has made Sadani the artist we know today. Here are some of the things we discuss in this episode. Networking, learning her first pay gig, how she met her incredible husband, her advice on marriage, mentorship, and pricing your work accordingly. If you like this content and would like to support the channel, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, Facebook, and IG account. By the way, this is a two-part episode which will be released on Sundays and Tuesdays. But if you can't wait and would like to hear it now, head to 18avenuepodcast.com for the audio edition. Here now with Sid, the artiste. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 18 Avenue Podcast. I am your host, Rico Bottles, and today joining me here is my very special guest, Hi, my name is Sidani Warren. Um, I'm on Instagram as Sid the Artist. I'm a visual artist and student at Alberta University of the Arts. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is such an incredible moment to see a person like you doing what you're doing. Uh, in fact, where I want to start off is to just go into, um, you know, let's go into a little bit of your background. You can let us know where you're from and, and things like that. Okay, um, well, my background, I was born in Jamaica, Maypan, Jamaica, and um, I was raised there until I was three, and then I moved to Canada with my mom, and I've been in Calgary uh, ever since then. That's pretty awesome. What was it like? Um, I mean, you were three years old, so that's clearly not a whole lot, but what has your experience been like just growing up here in Canada? Um, growing up, I definitely feel uh, lucky and privileged to be able to grow up in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I know that like my mom's generation and generation before that went through difficult times and it was kind of a struggle. So mm -hmm. um, I just acknowledge that I am in a place that's, you know, provides privileges for me. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, as I was saying be to you before the camera came on is that my family have been here since like 97 um and i was growing up in like a very small town to, uh st john's newfoundland you know being one of the first black families out there it was cool but at the same time it was like yo this only me and my family and maybe another family <laughs> did you ever kind of feel like that where um yeah well uh interestingly enough interestingly enough for me um i was usually like yeah maybe the only black kid in the class maybe one or two of us so mm -hmm. when i went to school like 
I definitely noticed that. Um, but I also grew up in church too. So, mm -hmm. and it's a Jamaican church. So it's like pretty much all black people. Okay. Um, so I had like this environment where like everyone looked like me and we had a lot of similarities. Right. Um, and I had like a lot of friends from there and I still have those friends. So I've always had kind of like, I guess two sides. So like the side of just being like the only black person and then being amongst like people like myself. So mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good balance. And but then you could always get away from that class environment and go somewhere like you were yeah. saying. Yeah, like on the weekends, it's like, okay, I'm with, you know, my own people. And right. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of belonging there. That's cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your childhood. Not like super when you're super, super young, but like how was like your overall upbringing? Um, overall, I'd say... I don't know. I think my mom did like a really good job okay. um, raising me and like, she was really good example for me. She was really hardworking. Um, she's a single mom. I was an only child mm -hmm. and we lived with my aunt and um, yeah, it was just the three of us for the longest time. Um, I went to school, did fairly well in school. I was mm -hmm. a good student. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. That's also like very common too, because I come from a single mother mm -hmm. uh, background as well. Except there was so many of us, so sometimes it's like you know my brother could be the father today, and then someone else be the father <laughs> yeah. tomorrow, right? So, um, just coming from like that background, so I totally understand. What's like some of the earliest um, lessons that your mother passed on to you? Um, I think one of the things that's always kind of stuck with me um, was just like how hardworking she was like, yeah, I, like she had the weekends off when I was a kid, but then mm -hmm. she um, became a, a nurse assistant. And then she's like still now just always working hard, always like independent. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's something that kind of stuck with me. Like she showed me through her actions. Yeah. Um, and she has really good morals too. So, um, yeah, I just get that sense of conviction too. And like, I think, you know, what would my mom do or what would my mom think? Mm. And yeah, so she passed that down to me. I can totally, uh, relate to that because my mother too, being just like a single mother, you know, she had to kind of do what she needed to do to get out of us here in this country, in this foreign land and give us the opportunity to grow up somewhere else and learn new cultural and in a entirely new environment yeah you know so i think shout out to the mothers out there for their sacrifices yeah definitely yeah um so one of the things that i wanted to ask you here and going into your artistry now and what you do um i can't say that i can say like when i was younger i was always drawing doodling mm -hmm. i loved creative things um but i I don't think I took it seriously. Mm -hmm. um, like in my own mind, I was just like, oh, this isn't like a practical job. I didn't think of it as a job. It was right. like something I did in my spare time. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would draw and practice all the time, but I, I never took it into like consideration of like becoming an artist when I was older. I think I went through like a lot of different career paths that I wanted to choose. Um, mm -hmm. And art kind of became my main thing after I had graduated high school and I was like really confused about like what direction I wanted to go into. Mm -hmm. And I saw like, was this something that you always wanted to do that you always want to be a visual artist? 
Um, I can't say that. I can say, like, when I was younger, I was always drawing, doodling. Mm-hmm. I loved creative things, um, but I, I don't think I took it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in my own mind, I was just like, oh, this isn't, like, a practical job. I didn't think of it as a job. It was, right. more, like, something I did in my spare time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would draw and practice all the time, but I, I never took it into like consideration of like becoming an artist when I was older. I think I went through like a lot of different career paths that I wanted to choose. Um, mm-hmm. And art kind of became my main thing after I had graduated high school and I was like really confused about like what direction I wanted to go into. Mm-hmm. And I saw like all my friends, like just knowing what they wanted to do and going into that. And yeah, I felt super lost. And um, I just remember like, when like Instagram came about, mm-hmm. I would like see a lot of artists posting and um, yeah, maybe you remember like, Hey, I can draw and I really like drawing mm-hmm. and I started back drawing and I just consistently kept practicing and just like teaching myself. And um, yeah, from then I started to take it seriously and I could actually see myself being an artist mm-hmm. and yeah, it never stopped until, you know, till now I'm at the position that I'm at. So I think that's pretty incredible. Uh, was that like the moment, was it like a specific moment where you sat there and was like, yo, I can do this? Like, what was that moment like? Um, yeah, I think it was like, honestly, like that Instagram is like, so key. It was like, Instagram. Like, it's mm-hmm. really, yeah. Okay. Because I was like, I saw people who are local mm-hmm. and like, this is what they did. And I was like, oh, this is like possible. So yeah, then I just like, honestly, it started off posted my first drawing and then everyone was like what is that <laughs> so yes. i know i need to put some more work in you know mm-hmm. and yeah i just like kept going after that yeah um when you you know just going back and i like what you said there uh when the people are like what's that um who was who was the first person that you show your work to that sort of became this pitler this encouragement to you to push you um, I would say like, okay, my mom is always supportive and, um, I have this one friend named Noreen mm-hmm. and she's like always like super encouraging anything I do related to art, anything in general. She's mm-hmm. like always like my biggest fan. So yeah, I said she's my biggest fan all the time. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Um, you mentioned that you've taken so many paths, uh, paths, um, before you, got into um drawing and taking it seriously what was some things that first came to you out of high school and thought that maybe i could go and do that yeah i think okay when i was in high school i um actually first i wanted to be a psychologist and then they had like career day and the Mm. psychologist came and i fell asleep so i was like oh this is terrible (laughs) (laughs) and then they had a guy that did like financial planning and i'm Mm -hmm. and like he was just so like charismatic and i was like oh this sounds awesome right I started like focusing my studies on that and I took some classes, like all my options were like finance related. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, I discovered I don't like math, so that's not gonna work out for okay. me. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, but by the time I realized that it was like my last year in high school, so I'm like, okay, now what? So I really had to like take, you know, those online career quizzes and all that. Right, right. And then they had some suggestions for me cause I, I liked like creating an art and then I decided on architecture. So um, I went to SAIT, 
um, from 2013 to 2015, and mm-hmm. then I got my architectural de- um, technology diploma. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't end up actually going in that career path because there was no jobs. It was a recession at the time. Right. Um, yeah, and then I don't know. I was kind of lost after that again too. I'm like, now oh, what do I do? Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, and then I would. I just like kind of was desperate. I was like, I need any job, and I started working retail again, and like that was really i think the last straw for me where i was like i I don't think i'll do any job unless it's art related because like um yeah if you're not passionate it's like man what am i doing this for like right yeah so did you ever feel because i know this used to happen to me a lot of the time even to now you know i work in the and gas field so it's like you know being a safety officer in that in that field but one of the things that you know even when i'm at work and i'm like yo what am I doing here? Like you ask yourself that question. Yeah. Um, but there has to be like, like for me, I know like there was a, that moment where I decided, okay, cool. When I leave this project, I don't care what happened. I probably want to be back for another year because I had other plans to get this going and everything. Yeah. What was that like working in that field? And did you, were you able to um, transition sort of, easily how did you find yourself from that point on to saying i gotta get out of here because it's pretty hard when you have regular money coming in to like no money coming in that's the thing the money wasn't bad because i was in management so there you have it i was like oh man i I want to give this up um and then i was planning because i was getting married that year so i was like okay i'm gonna take my vacation and then i'm just gonna give my two weeks Mm -hmm before my two week vacation <laughs> and I just never come back. But a month before that, I just got fed up and left. And Wow, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, my husband was like a, a big um, encouragement for that. He was just like, don't go back and stop doing stuff that's not art related. Right. And since then, like he always kind of keeps me on track. He's like, you're an artist, like stop. <laughs> Cause mm. sometimes you're like, oh, I need money. Like maybe I should do this. He's like, nah you're an artist like go be, be an, an artist. artist yeah stop being what you're not yeah i think that is so important to have someone there who recognizes like what you are yeah. and where you want to go who sees that value before the world get to see it i mean now people can celebrate you because they can see but what they don't know is that backstory that that struggle yeah there's a struggle there <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool speaking of your husband since you brought that up um how did you guys meet Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, I told my mom we met at Starbucks because, like, that was where we met. Okay. We met online, plenty of fish. So Plenty of fish? Yes. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, one of my friends, like, had met her boyfriend there, and then they've been together for a while, and then she's like, yeah, plenty of fish is so good. So she convinced me, and then I joined and like yeah by the next day i met my husband and like on yeah. plenty of fish yes yeah wow and we were just talking and we met up and we were just like after that we just delete our accounts and we we're like together since okay <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah i was like oh this is meant to be <laughs> like literally the next day <laughs> so you you created your account today mm-hmm. and you would meet him the following day yeah, like talking online the next day. And then we had so much in common, right. like similar background and like, yeah, just so much in common. We just got along really well. And then we met up uh, 
yeah later on like a few days later yeah and then we're like oh this is awesome <laughs> yeah i find that you can have a lot of things in common but i also think that um there has to be like that core value yeah. in somebody that stands out from everyone else because nine you know a lot of people you meet you have something in common with them we're all yes, human yes. so we do similar things all the time what was that core value in him that you knew that okay he's different he might be the one or he is the one yeah um i'd say like um i guess in our actually one of our first conversations i think it was our first conversation um because i was like oh this seems this guy seems like too perfect i was like what's wrong with you so he said, <laughs> he's like um like he gave me his testimony about like how he used to struggle with like yeah suicide and just like yeah depression and um he was saying how he like went to church and he was like saved and he like has been good ever since and like god saved him from that and i really liked how he was like first of all like not afraid to just share mm -hmm. what happened to him and i like that he had like a sturdy foundation in god because like that was important to me because mm -hmm. I don't want to ever like convince a man to like go to church. Accept God, yeah, do so go I, to church. Yeah, I don't have to like do that. Mm -hmm. He just has that. So, yeah, that one definitely drew me to him. Yeah, it's important because it's important. You said that um, friends and I have been having this conversation lately. This art of this opening up about you, about your life. Um, why? And we see now in a society so many of us are so afraid to have these very difficult conversation um why, why do you think that is um i think uh like if you share certain things people might like assume you're crazy or yeah just judge you harshly mm -hmm. so yeah i think people don't want to put it out there and, and yeah yeah i get that too it's like they don't want to but you know, I've, I came to terms with the fact that, okay, well, it's my story. Everyone have a story. Yeah. My responsibility as a person is to free myself from my past. Because oftentimes we, we tie ourselves to that. And we, we don't know. We do it for so long that we just, we lose our identity. Yeah. And that become the new identity. But all along, it's not really the authentic us. Yeah. It's just that. So I think it's pretty amazing um, that. So how long were you guys dating before you got um, married? About like a year and a half we did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. We like knew fully like pretty early on. If he had proposed to me like two months later, I'd been like, yeah, okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was just like all around great. So that's awesome. <laughs> I was wine and dine. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well. And how long have you been married for? Um, well, next year, like in May, it's going to be four years. So. Four years. Yeah. All right. So there's a lot of experience out there. You can definitely share some good, solid insight, advice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we look around now, marriage is becoming one of those things. If you find people together for more than five years, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think the first five years is supposed to be like, the if you can make it past that, then you should be okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but we also see that a lot of marriages aren't working out mm -hmm. these days. Uh, what would be like some of your advice or tip as to, you know, how to balance that whole thing out? Um, I would <laughs> say, I'd say this, like, um, I think like with us, we kind of went into it like thinking, um, okay, we're going to do like traditional kind of roles and stuff like that. Um, and then we just discovered we're not traditional. So we just like bend and like, just, I guess, change certain things with how our household is run to mm -hmm. just suit it to us. So I think 
that's what people need to do is like, yeah, if you have an issue, like, can you compromise? Like, mm-hmm. is there something you can change? Right. You know, if there's like, I don't know, if your husband wants you to do something and maybe you've never done it before, like, I don't know, I want you to press my shirt. Mm-hmm. And like, that's important for him for right. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you could easily be combative and be like, well, I'm not a slave or whatever. (laughs) Or you could just press the shirt because it like makes him happy, right? Right. So yeah, you just have to compromise. And vice versa, he do the same for you even. Exactly. Yeah. I guess the bigger picture here is that being able to compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's actually pretty good because you know that those are some of the things now. Uh, By the way, are you a feminist? Um, I wouldn't call myself... uh, I don't think I don't want to label myself with anything like that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. I agree with. I can't say that I fully agree with a lot of things that are a lot of political things or a lot of, you know, movements that are going on. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm a hundred percent in with what it, like stuff that they say. So mm-hmm. I don't want to label myself as like a feminist and. Okay. There's a lot that goes with it. So there is a lot. Yeah. There is a lot. And sometimes I feel like I wonder if we are losing ourselves now in this whole thing to I think men and women we each have our own strength. Yes, that's that's how I kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. Cuz um sometimes I f- look at feminism and I'm like sometimes it's like seems like women are Yes, you want to be equal with a man, but it's like they're trying to be equal by being like a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm totally okay with being feminine and like using that feminine to like empower myself. Right. So yeah, but I'm a feminine woman, so it kind of works for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And it's true because, you know, I always tell my friends, I say like guys would not go to work. Like if there was no women on this planet, why are we going to work? Yeah. <laughs> Who do we have to just impress? <laughs> right? We sit around and play video game and yeah. just be bums all day. Like we do it because, you know, we want that person to be attracted to us or to attract that um that individual. But we don't do it just because, you know, that's something that we want to do. We don't sacrifice everything out of the fun, all the sacrifices that we make to get these cars and these luxury houses and these homes to say, Yeah, we're doing it for my other dude. We don't care about that, yeah. but we do it primarily. Yeah. true if you go into like a bachelor's house it's like one chair one <laughs> like you know just like one plate <laughs> yeah that's then so they funny. get married you see like all these things right exactly yeah. right it's uh it's so true i um yeah i i can relate because uh a friend of mine was actually talking about that was i was in toronto and i was like yo his mom will come over and be like you need more photos or pictures here of something yeah. more art more colors more something he's like no mom i'm not ready for that yet <laughs> right yeah. but it's so true it's so true what you're saying so um so going back being from a jamaican background did you ever see yourself being where you are now with your artistry and what you represent now because you no longer just represent you now you kind of represent a movement which you're about to get into but you represent a whole lot more than just you Mm -hmm. Uh, was that intimidating and you know um yeah i think um i don't know if i could say that i imagined myself to like be on this 
level them at like being publicly known somewhat mm-hmm. not like famous but you know publicly oh, known a little bit <laughs> you're famous here in calgary okay yes yeah, i mean people can google you now which yeah, is googleable very cool although one of my goals was to have a wikipedia so hopefully i will have that well it's going to happen now now that you said it out in the universe yeah, <laughs> yeah. let me write that up but yeah um I don't know if I could imagine this because I never really saw like this route, but I know I wanted to be a successful artist. I just thought like maybe I'd go like the gallery route or just be like an Instagram artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely had that goal in mind and there is like a little bit of pressure to kind of, yeah, I, th- I feel like, um, okay, somebody told me like, oh, you're an artist and you're black, which is like very rare. Mm-hmm. And like, I was really surprised by that because I know a bunch of black artists. So I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> and then um, I, I don't know, I guess I feel like we need to usher in more black artists in the public eye mm-hmm. so um, so that people can just acknowledge that like we're here and we can have our experiences out there. Like we can have, we can have black people you know, painted up on this, up on the walls, mm-hmm. up on this, up on that. Um, and uh, have ourselves just like, yeah, in galleries everywhere, everywhere that like white artists are like, we need to be there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd like to help usher that in. And there's like a little bit of pressure there, but um, I just try to stay true to myself and what I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Let's get into some of your project. I looked up, <clears throat> I noticed that, um, Blog party installation. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's start with where the name came from and how it came about. How did that opportunity? Um, okay, so that opportunity, um, I'd been going for about like, what, like three weeks or like a month, just like every night I'd paint on Instagram or draw. And then I'd like put it on IG Live and then people can watch. And then I'd post it later on. Um, so I'd been doing that for a while and then somebody saw my work and then, but they had searched me through like the Alberta University of Arts hashtag. So Got they it. found me through that. Um, yeah, they liked my stuff and then they invited me to do this installation and I didn't know like it would be such a big deal like as what it was afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the company was named Park. Mm-hmm. So they had partnered with uh, Deerfoot City and they had this idea of like an outdoor kind of interactive installation mm-hmm. people can go there hang out and yeah it's be a good picture f- or a good spot for like pictures for social media and whatnot mm-hmm. so um they bring me in this and this was a really quick because when we started i think it was just two weeks so we um were signed and then we got to look at the spot um they gave us like whatever we were supposed to paint so my thing was picnic tables and then there were some benches and the huge like mural that was on the ground um and some like wall decals like vinyl um and they had an artist doing each of those and um yeah so after that they gave us the direction that they pretty much wanted like Deerfoot City branding, but in like a creative way. Mm-hmm. And Deerfoot City came up with the name Block Party, which um, was good because there's a lot of color blocking involved. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the name was derived from. Um, and then, yeah, we submitted our designs and then they had to approve them. And we had a week to paint them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we launched that. 
and yeah that's kind of how that thing went <laughs> and it was good it's really good was that your first big project yeah that one was a huge project and that was like what kind of helped me get my name out there mm -hmm. and after that it was just like project and another project so yeah that was a big deal for me describe the night before the morning of the project did you sleep um yes i did yes <laughs> you, you yeah. slept like a baby yeah yeah because okay. um like we have a whole week to to paint it right got it so but while we were painting did i sleep not really <laughs> like okay. basically it would be there from like night till day just like or day till night yeah just painting non-stop go home sleep come back mm -hmm. paint um so it was intense um but yeah i wouldn't say i was like nervous or anything because i we had our plans that out and yeah how big was the crew member um it was so like from park there was like two people and then there was four artists and um the girl from deerfoot city the the graphic designer courtney so it was pretty small Mm. yeah what was um working uh with other people like um on a project like that um it was cool like this one we didn't have to really um paint the same thing like so it was kind of like working separately on our own designs so everyone had their own things yeah. to do even though it was all one project but yeah exactly had, okay we just had it. to make sure the designs were cohesive mm -hmm. but um we did work like beside each other so it was cool to like we'd chat while we're working and stuff and um the guy that i was working next to um his name is mikhail and the group is nazarimba mm -hmm. um he was like i was telling him like i want to get into painting murals and uh this and that and then he um suggested that i apply for the this crescent heights project and um yeah i ended up applying for that and getting it so it was like it was good to kind of like meet other people and chat like i'm learning that networking is like super important absolutely and, like everyone i meet i end up like meeting later on to do something else so, right yeah so it was just all like interconnected, all one vibration. Yeah, everything, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the colors now, because my sense is when, when I see in the color, I say, oh, wow, what, she's Jamaican. Who decided <laughs> on the colors? <laughs> uh, for different city? Yes. It was them. They, they had- a, So they had yeah. all these ideas and saying, these are the colors that we want. Yeah, okay. yeah. They wanted like a really bright, first it was kind of neon, but they just decided to go with like a really bright color palette. It worked. Um, yeah. It and worked. They gave that to us and we had to just, like figure out a design that we wanted to use. And yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks for telling us. And then the, you've done so many now. Um, so that was the first one, the Black Party. Then we had the, we have, I guess this is the most recent one, the Black Lives Matters mural. This would be in Kensington somewhere? Yeah. Well, that was my third one that I Oh, that oh, was yeah. your third. <laughs> so, third. okay. I'm just catching up on things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Black Lives Matter one, um, I think that one, somebody texted me on Instagram too, same thing. And then um, they, uh, their company like wanted to support Black, Black Lives Matter. And that's it. gonna be, that building that I painted is gonna be their office. Um, so they had like this open space. They're like, okay, um, come check out the space. And we just want something, um, something positive, but, 
Um, you can pretty much do whatever you want and something meaningful. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I went back home, kind of did my usual process, which is like a mood board. And then um, I got into the design and I noticed like around the city, there was like that whole controversy with. Um, That's when the protest uh, was going yeah, on. Yeah, the protest over right. that um, giving wings to the dream painting. Right downtown with the bird yeah. and the hands. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, I had seen that uh, advertising, looking for an artist for that. And I was kind of surprised that they was they were going to paint over that painting because it's just been there for so long. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like you think about it, you're like, oh, wow. And then you just kind of move on. But mm -hmm. I guess people really lingered on that. Mm -hmm. I guess it was like pretty meaningful for some people, which I can understand. Um, but um, after I saw that it was canceled, and the reason why, then I was like, this is kind of messed up, right? Because mm. um, at the end of the day, this is just a painting. And then like people's lives are being threatened. Like there's racism coming from this. Right. So, and I thought like, okay, what if it was a white group that wanted to paint over this? Like, right. and you couldn't use racism, what would you do? Like, right. what would be the response? Like, is there not like something else you could do? Petition, right? Like protest, you don't have to be like, racist it was a more yeah. civil way to handle the right. matter but right. i think too <clears throat> yeah you're right that was there since i think 93 or yeah. something like that and you know for me i mean i'm not an artist so yeah. then maybe an artist would see it differently um you know with the whole buzz and the whole rioting and the whole back and forth with everybody going crazy i just felt like well i, I didn't think it was a good spot anyway yeah. i thought it was a horrible spot so i couldn't see what the fuss was about from that point on for me yeah was like it's not even a good spot because when you think about murals and the walls that they're on you think about a place that oh you're walking by oh this is a cool wall i want to yeah. take pictures and you stand there and you get a snap with you and your kid or you and your friends or whatever mm -hmm. but there it is a huge fence around this place it's that was my deal yeah um so now now you have another opportunity presented at you right, right how going into that were you i guess there was no fuss there was no backlash with that one no so um yeah i i don't know i didn't think there would be any backlash in the beginning mm -hmm. um and then yeah i decided to kind of center my theme around i guess the backlash on the other painting mm -hmm. um and then once we started i I don't know i was like kind of nervous because i had heard the other guy was getting like hecklers and all this stuff um but i just kind of kept quiet and kept it moving and um yeah everything worked out just fine so i think um i think like with the other mural it was just like the whole controversy kind of followed anyone that was involved with it mm -hmm. um but luckily with mine like people were pretty pretty much positive like there's always people who are like all lives matter like you guys are you know causing division all this stuff um but i think they're a loud minority so yeah mostly positive so i'm i'm really proud of that piece <laughs> yeah i uh, i seen photos of it i haven't i haven't been there yet yeah. um I, I probably will sometime this week to check it out and all these different things and try check to check it out <laughs> yeah i will i will be checking it out because <laughs> sometimes i feel like photos just don't do things justice you have to be there physically to kind of see it and really appreciate it um so 
what is your stand on, I mean, you're a black woman here mm-hmm. in the society and you lived here. You grew up here. Yeah. This is practically your home and yeah. you're just Jamaican by birth, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell people that all the time because I grew up, I, I was born in Liberia, yeah. but I never grew up in Liberia. Okay. I grew up in Africa. Coast. Then I was, I think, 12 or 13 when I came to Canada. Yeah. You know, so it's like, but I'm very involved in my Jamaican culture. Though, right, too. right. It's like I, a huge thing for me. That's actually an interview that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> so I always say I'm Jamaican. <laughs> you always say you're Jamaican. Yeah. I think that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I've met people that wouldn't even, you know, if they lived there for that long, they kind yeah. of separate themselves from the community. Like I've been, I spent summers there, and like I visit. Okay. And I love being. And you speak the patois <laughs> as well. No, I lost that. It was sad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, so what is it about Jamaica that you... Oh, actually, I have a better question. Um, so for years, Jamaican has sort of been like this separate entity from Africans in that they were not... You know, they never really regarded themselves as Africans. Mm-hmm. You know, they regard themselves as black, but not African. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that that's changed now, or are we sort of in the process? Where are we with that? I don't know. I think um, for me, uh, like, it's not a problem with saying that like we're from Africa because we know like that's where every black person comes from, is right? In Africa, but um, I think just. Um, when people are just saying you're African and just trying to like dismiss it, like you're actually you have your culture is Jamaican, right? Um, I think that's what the issue is, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's for me. It's just like, yeah, we're all like the same, but we also have different things in our culture, right? Like mm. you can't just dismiss somebody's background because you want them to be like you or you to be like them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think there's that, right? It's like if somebody said, oh you're trinidadian like nobody likes to be said like told them something that they're not <laughs> it's like, like caught in a nigerian yeah. or liberian they're like what what yeah, are you talking you, about right, right even in right. africa if you're like oh yeah you're a ghanian right right and like no no i'm not <laughs> so it's like that right um but i think that actually i've just seen the whole world like just full-on embracing africans um i think that um even in the music, because I listen to like Caribbean music a lot, mm-hmm. I can see like the artists collabing and oh, absolutely, yeah, and like yeah, Britain. There's like the African and Jamaican people are coming together to make music too, and like yeah, I could see it there. And even in the states, like uh, like even Beyonce is just like doing right on like no, Nigerian mm-hmm. influence albums. So like everyone is like really like embracing their roots especially with like black panther and and everything right um i think uh people are just i guess um getting more pride with you know our roots and like where we come from so yeah i definitely see a shift yeah that's pretty cool um so that brings us on to like the diaspora you mentioned that you've been to jamaica several times tell us something about the jamaican culture because i'm not jamaican yeah um you know what i what would be like the core essence of the jamaican culture the core um i would say this you know one thing that is so different in jamaica than here is like um just like the sense of like neighbor like everyone in the community if you're walking past something you cannot 
just walk past someone and stare at your phone like you need to say hi <laughs> like, it's like walk- that it's like that where i'm from too <laughs> yeah like there's no <laughs> you get smacked across the head a few times yeah like everyone like calls to each other like people aren't afraid of each other like here like people are awkward and try not to make eye contact or look at anyone mm-hmm. and like yeah people will do favors for each other people you know people mm-hmm. i feel like stick together more um and just have like a bigger sense of community mm-hmm. so that's one thing yeah even like yeah my grandma and my mom would tell stories if somebody is cooking and you're walking by you can come and eat too like right yeah it's right. like that so right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's very african in a sense i mean yeah. everywhere you know all my friends it's the same sort of thing that they do back home as well you could always go somewhere and eat right like we're not just individuals like all doing our own right. thing we we're together yeah yeah and there are that time why do you think that once we come to the west we don't continue that tradition i think just capitalism like and if we're in a capitalist world like we have to follow suit right right so like even if you try to talk to their your neighbors you'll be lucky sometimes but some neighbors it's just like they'll be you'll be right beside them (laughs) (laughs) and they're gone yeah so it's like we're kind of like conditioned to be like that even myself like i'm just like i don't know i don't feel like talking to anyone because it's just awkward it's It's awkward here (laughs) where yeah other places you know you could say hi or whatever and it's not gonna be yeah yeah Yeah, i i definitely know where you're coming from with the awkwardness i remember when i started this um podcast back in january it was something i've been wanting to do um since windsor but at the time i hadn't really gotten to a point where i said okay i could do it but one of the few experiments that i did was to go out and just talk to people on the street just random people mm-hmm. and uh and yeah you get a lot of that resistant that awkwardness and right. it didn't matter if it was uh you know um yeah it came from like both sides but sometime the barrier came down mm-hmm. with your own if you ran into another immigrant or something yeah I, like, they were a little bit more recessive <laughs> yeah to kind of stand there and have a conversation you can ask them random questions than it were say with my caucasian brothers and sisters yeah you know that was very it's like pulled in teeth you know then you got all that stuff so i think that's interesting um that when we come here we you know sort of go the other way i guess like you said with capitalism everybody wants to you know there's this pressure to be somebody now there's this pressure to go and get the car to go and get the house to go and get this 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 so it's becoming about you yeah but i find that it's way worse in this province i know what it is i don't know i haven't been like many places so i can't compare but Mm -hmm. yes ontario is like more friendly oh uh, definitely definitely yeah. more friendly definitely more more open and also too uh i think a part of that is because a lot of the people are young professionals mm-hmm. um you know and they're moving away from their parents house or moving away from the little outskirts of the cities that they grew up in to go into the big city yeah and the only way to really make it in a big city is to diversify somehow and meet people and talk to them and, yeah. and things like that so you have that sort of openness of dialogue yeah. um yeah so maybe it's just one of those things would you ever move uh back home i definitely would move back home mm, yeah. what would it take though for that to happen um you know what i've i was like looking into working there and all those kind of things and i think like yeah the economic situation is probably like the most difficult thing aside from like violence mm-hmm. i think you could find somewhere that's not as violent mm-hmm. in the country but um 
Yeah, I think the economic thing would be hard. So I'd have to figure out a way to like be able to sustain myself, like probably through like Canadian currency or like online, something like that. Right. um, Yeah, even like some of the really good paying jobs are just like you look at the yearly and it's like 20,000 a year or something. So it's really difficult to just live there because like things are expensive and you're just not getting paid as much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the one thing I'd probably say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in Liberia right now, they're using US dollars. So yeah. if you went out to buy a bottle of water, it could charge you five US dollars, which yeah. I think is absolutely ridiculous and ludicrous. Like this is Liberia we're talking about. Yeah. I'm not trying to put it down, but I'm saying, yo, this is like what we're talking about. Jamaica's starting to accept US too a lot. Is that right? Yeah. Even if you tips, if you try to tip in Canadian, they're like, excuse me. Like, oh, really? US. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. And th- that can really be good for the economy because I think yeah. it discourages um, diaspora to want to go back home. Yeah. And want to, unless you have a major government job there where you know that you're getting some kind of paycheck that you know, can sustain your lifestyle because everyone have a lifestyle that they want to maintain no matter where they are. Yeah, but I also feel like um, there's just so many options. Like the internet right now, there's just so many options. Oh, absolutely. So I just feel like it it is possible. You just have to want to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe their government can do something to incentivize people to move back to because it would be good for the economy if like people that left and have like established themselves somewhere else like would move back. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, pay into that economy. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Ghana is doing something very similar. Yeah. So they've been very active. I know like last year, a lot of uh, people went to Ghana. Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 I also heard Akon is like making a city. Yep, there's (laughs) Akon City. He's building an entire city. (laughs) Yeah. I I think this is, uh, I think it's in Senegal. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) he's building an entire, I mean, that's just incredible. Being able to do that. um, And I mean, I applaud him for it. I think it's such a great look. He's ahead of us. He's definitely ahead. Way ahead of us. Yeah, I think it's always been. Yeah. You know, sometimes you never know people's journey until yeah. like you sit down with them or you see their actions. You know, worries are always worries, but actions, I think those that can go very far. And I think he's living. Yeah. <laughs> probably everything he ever thought about doing. Yeah, he's like, how can I do this? You could. Who out. knows? You could probably be go yeah. start your own city somewhere too someday. <laughs> Wouldn't that yeah. be incredible? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be cool. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't know how that would kind of yeah. pan up yet yeah um so that's that organized uh, right <laughs> that's a good place to start right. actually um <laughs> um all right so we are we've covered so many things now so let's go into inspirations uh what were mentorship inspiration what's your take on that in general um like uh who's mentored me or inspired uh yeah who inspired you and do you think that you know it that kind of thing is important for people starting out in art or just wanting to be out there yeah i would say yeah it's super important to just be able to see like representation is Mm. important um i think i didn't really have like a mentor like somebody that i would talk to all the time but i did talk to um like in my beginning stages and i i met him through instagram too um he's an artist named like ryan postick mm-hmm. so i met him and like he did offer to like mentor me in anything i needed and like um 
yeah anything i'd ask him like pricing whatever he would like tell me like i'm like like i was considering going to school and like what do you think and yeah he'd like call me and tell me about that so yeah he was definitely like somebody that was i guess important in my journey and like he was pretty inspirational for me to even start like drawing and stuff like that um and yeah i think it's important for people to see you know people not only people that look like them but people that kind of do the same thing that you do Mm -hmm. and are successful at it so you know like like i was saying before it's like wow this is possible Mm -hmm. and you know that it's just a matter of like getting to there but you can get there and this does exist so yeah that's <laughs> that's pretty cool. So you mentioned something about pricing. How do you go getting? Yeah. How do you go about getting pay with what you do? Because I I feel like a lot of people are stuck there. People are afraid sometimes to ask for money or to ask for. And when yeah. they do ask for money, they seems to be getting things that not worth your time. And if yeah. you're not, if it's not worth your time, that's not going to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think um, I don't. I know, like for my own myself, like. Um, like I started off just like drawing people for free and whatever. This is what I'm just practicing. Um, and then, yeah, you get a lot of people just wanting things for free. Um, and then you kind of get to a point where like, you know, you're good enough to start charging. Right. <laughs> but you're like, uh, you don't want to charge too much because you want like the customer. Um, so, yeah, you charge modestly. But then when you're doing it, you're like, wow, this takes like a really long time, like minimum eight hours to mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, ah, should I charge more? And like, I struggled with that so much. And I used to underprice my stuff a lot um, to the point where it like made me extremely like frustrated, um, especially because people were always trying to like cut some kind of deal or whatever. Um, so I kind of like took a step back and um, I... I was kind of thinking of doing more of like a curating type of job instead of like doing art for specific people. Mm -hmm. Um, But after, like I said, when I just started drawing and posting things, um, that's when like I got some opportunities. And then I think just being involved with like that Deerfoot City product, like it really like boosted my confidence. So I felt like, okay, like my work is good enough for this. Right, right. I can charge accordingly. And I also like asked people like, yo, what do you charge to do this? You know? And um, yeah, they gave me some things to kind of take into uh, account before I make my prices. And um, now I'm at a phase where like, I'll price. And if you're not comfortable with that, like we can do some adjustments. Like we can just make like a smaller, smaller smaller or whatever Mm -hmm. to just like fit into your budget but i'm not gonna like compromise too much on my price if it if it happens it happens if not it's okay and it wasn't to be so yeah i think just like having your confidence kind of raised (laughs) right yeah i used to get like a sinking feeling in my stomach Mm. when people would ask the price because i'm like oh my gosh like i don't know what to charge these people and you're afraid generally you're like we're not we're much we will quicker offer what i find out being a photographer and a videographer what i find out is we will quicker offer it for free than to ask for money. I don't know what it is about that. It's yeah. like we're afraid to ask for cash. Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's an art thing for sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> anything else you would do, you would try. Right, like, right? right. Yeah. If you sold yeah. fish in the market for something, you yeah. would be like, okay, this is five bucks. Exactly. So it's like, why don't I want to charge for this? Right. right. And um, yeah, it's just, it's hard. You have to, it's a mental thing for sure. 
definitely is a mental thing and it's yeah. quite a journey as well yeah but uh, the worst thing they can say if you think about it is like no so and you got to come with, right come to terms with that yeah right and i also think that if people think that maybe you're charging too much i also feel that those are not your customers yeah because the people who come to you and say look this is what i want i want this i want that also understand that all of these things is going to require time mm-hmm. and and creativity and all that stuff. They know that it's going to cost money. Yeah. You know, so, and there's a lot of people that probably don't have the money, but would appreciate the price or appreciate your art. Yeah. Right. Um, so we pretty much have to wrap this up. It's been going on for some time. Was there anything that you perhaps wanted to talk about that hadn't been covered? Something you want, you know, some... I don't have all the questions or answers. So I just <laughs> no, not really. No, there's <laughs> nothing else. Not really. uh, where do you have any final advice for artists out there, especially here in you know for Black artists particularly? Because I feel like there's so many little pockets of Black artists. I know that when I went to the Black Lives Matters uh, protest, I met black artist mm-hmm. there but it, they're just sort of like in their bubble nobody's really yes. you know um i would say um just like reach out to other artists and collab mm-hmm. um like yeah i've had some people reach out to me and it was great like to see even you reaching out to me absolutely right yeah so yeah try and reach out and do like a collab with somebody and now like people are pretty accessible through like social media um, and I'd say look on like if you go on the city of Calgary website like there's always postings for artists like calls for artists mm-hmm. so go on there like regularly and check it out um, and also I probably say just like learn how to um, just like write emails properly <laughs> and like you, the professional side of it mm-hmm. like you need to be able to like write emails properly properly put together like a good portfolio like something that looks professional even if you need help with it like find that help so you can like present yourself as somebody who you know is capable so i probably say that because that has been like probably next to skill like that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right um and if you're not educated like maybe take a course or two and just kind of like learn um just because uh yeah, we do art because, yeah, we enjoy it, but also, like, you know, we have to kind of think of, like, the history and, like, what came with it and how we got here. So mm-hmm. I think it's just important to have, like, at least some education. Um, I know, like, you can be a really great artist self-taught, but, um, yeah, I think that conceptually you should, you know, just learn how to think. Uh, I think that's important. And, um yeah put yourself out there so don't be afraid to um post your stuff online like i said reach out to other people um you're gonna have to like really push yourself even if you're like because i didn't sleep in the beginning Mm -hmm. (laughs) every night i would just stay up and just like do art and post every day and work on ideas yeah just like well no mostly just painting and posting like every single night 
Um, so you were posting every day? Every day, yeah. You said something about an interview that I saw, and uh, it was uh, with, a, I guess, with the Jamaican community. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you were talking about this idea of being consistent, just be yeah, consistent. Consistency, just, yeah. Just put out whatever you can put out. Every single day, like, like it should be like a job. Like some people will say, we're not robots. Like, yeah, but you can have to be a robot for like a little bit. And then you can have time to relax later on. But yeah, you can have to sacrifice if you really want something. So yeah, I sacrificed sleep. And like my husband kind of thought I was crazy. Like, he was like, you can't live like this. And I was like, you just watch. Like, yeah. <laughs> One more. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, oh, you're right. So yeah, <laughs> so, yeah you just have to push yourself. Did you, in those beginning stages, did you reach out to Instagrammers that had already blown up? and you know to try to get tips from them about how to approach the instagram world because it's an entirely different world out there um you know what i did i went and i found people who were similar to me and i'd like follow them and like comment and whatever and then usually you would get like a bunch of dms and you could talk to like other instagrammers so i did and yeah i talked to a guy like he's from where is he from i think he's in ontario's kofi's art and okay, then, I don't know what that is. Uh, he's like pretty big on Instagram. So okay. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, he just like offered to give me some advice and stuff, cool. which was great. Um, and yeah, people ask me for advice and I'm like, sure. Like, so take advantage of like what you can do on mm-hmm. Instagram and who you can talk to. And yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, so what's next for you? Um, well, right now I'm working on a project called Kensington Bright. Hopefully I'm allowed to say this. Yeah. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> it's coming up pretty soon. That's like cool. Early December. Okay. So, um, it's like myself and a few other artists and we're working with that same company park. Is it outdoor? Yeah, it's outdoor. So, okay. um, yeah, you'll see like, uh, they're going to start promoting on Instagram pretty soon. Okay. And, um, yeah, we're just like decorating some of the buildings over there and, okay. Well, nothing to worry about because this podcast is not going to air for like some time just because. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> so, no, yeah, right? There's yeah. nothing to worry about here. Um, so, <clears throat> but that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Have you worked in the, in the outdoor before? Um, With like, painting? Oh, yeah. Like that's okay. how I did the, my last. No, I mean like in the, doing winter. Oh, uh, luckily, since it's winter, we're not going to like actually paint. We're doing like vinyl Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because so I, I was going to say, oh, okay. It's going to. And they're just going to kind of place it. it. Yeah. That's so, pretty cool. Right? Yeah. That's cool. exciting. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that's coming up. Um, uh, tell us where people can find you. Okay. Yeah. So find me on Instagram at Sid the Artiste. So that's with the E at the end. Um, and. Uh, you know what that's the best place to to reach me because mm-hmm. i don't really deal with facebook that much so yeah, yeah yeah link me on instagram i hear that's actually cool because when i was asking you you know email or instagram you were like instagram i was like all right instagram yeah right, quick responses yeah like yeah it's not as formal so yeah yeah that's that's awesome um so that is pretty much it Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for joining us again once again on another episode of 18 Avenue Podcast.com. And I will see you guys very soon today. I was here again with my very special guest. Sid the artist, Sidani Warren. All right, cool. And you also want to tell these people where they can, uh, maybe there's somebody out there who can do a Wikipedia for you. 
Um, yeah, do a Wikipedia <laughs> on me. So watch this, collect some information, and then just go on Wikipedia. You could just edit yourself, and hopefully one day I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, it's a wrap. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs>